Welcome once again to another exciting episode of The Coach's Corner. I'm Peter Sachuk, your host and UHY's Career Development and Training Manager. This episode focuses on a concept called the hyperactive hive mind. Coined by Cal Newport, a New York Times bestselling author and computer science professor at Georgetown University, the hyperactive hive mind helps explain why, in a world full of advanced communication platforms, we may struggle to maintain focus on our key projects and priorities. We'll discuss Mr. Newport's research on the hive mind and find out exactly what it is and how it impacts us in our workplace. Let's dive in. In Mr. Newport's most recent book, A World Without Email, he defines the hyperactive hive mind as a workflow centered on ongoing conversation fueled by unstructured and unscheduled messages delivered through digital communication tools. In other words, it's a constant stream of digital work-like chatter that you need to keep up with all while recognizing that it's distracting you from doing your work, seeing your family, or just simply relaxing. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, many of us have or are still experiencing this feeling because of our need to communicate through other tools when in-person was and still is not widely available. That work-like chatter may take many forms, such as email, instant messages, and so on. Now, don't get me wrong. These are great tools that have enabled our business to succeed, especially when we were all forced to work remotely at the beginning stages of the pandemic. However, all of this digital wonder around us has come with a cost. We're losing our ability to concentrate. Instead of getting more done in less time, we feel like we have less time than ever and are never getting enough done. This unstructured communication environment requires us to figure things out as we go, which has many far-reaching effects on our own productivity. For starters, our workplaces are set up for convenience, not productivity. We must be switched on at all times and prepared to multitask. These are two things that are not compatible with deep, creative, or insightful thinking. And when we are interrupted, it may take us up to 23 minutes and 15 seconds to regain deep focus after an interruption. For example, Let's say you take a glance at your department's Microsoft Teams channel to see if there are any new messages. As you do so, you begin to trigger network switches, which are situations that take your attention away from one target and shift it to another. Then, as we try to switch back to the task we were previously doing, it creates a pileup in our brain, which leads to decreased cognitive function, frustration, tiredness, and anxiousness. To demonstrate this, Stanford University conducted a study and found that people who are regularly bombarded with several streams of electronic information, also known as high multitaskers, do not pay attention, control their memory, or switch from one job to another, as well as those who prefer to complete one task at a time, also known as low multitaskers. In one experiment, the two groups were shown sets of two red rectangles alone or surrounded by two, four, or six blue rectangles. Each configuration was flashed twice, and then participants had to determine whether the two red rectangles in the second frame were in a different position than in the first frame. They were told to ignore the blue rectangles, and the low multitaskers had no problem doing that. But the high multitaskers were constantly distracted by the irrelevant blue images. Their performance, for lack of a better term, was horrible. Because the high multitaskers showed they couldn't ignore things, the researchers figured that they were better at storing and organizing information. Perhaps they had better memories. 
The second test they conducted blew that theory out of the water. After being shown sequences of alphabetical letters, the high multitaskers did a lousy job at remembering when a letter was making a repeat appearance. The low multitaskers did great. The high multitaskers were doing worse and worse the further they went along because they kept seeing more letters and had difficulty keeping them sorted in their brains. The researchers were puzzled, but not yet stumped on why the heavy multitaskers weren't performing well, so they conducted a third test. If the heavy multitaskers couldn't filter out irrelevant information or organize their memories, perhaps they excelled at switching from one thing to another faster and better than anyone else. Survey says that theory was wrong. The test subjects were shown images of letters and numbers at the same time and instructed on what to focus. When they were told to pay attention to numbers, they had to determine if the digits were even or odd. When told to concentrate on letters, they had to say whether they were vowels or consonants. Again, the heavy multitaskers underperformed the light multitaskers. On paper, the hyperactive hive mind intended for flexibility and cost effectiveness. In reality, it's made us really bad at doing our work. Being switched on at all times and expecting things to pick up immediately makes us feel miserable. Mr. Newport further elaborates this always-on mentality mismatches with the social circuits in our brain. It makes us feel bad that someone is waiting on us to reply to them. It makes us anxious. Because it is so easy to dash off a quick reply on email, Microsoft Teams, or another messaging app, we may feel guilty for simply not doing so, and there is an expectation that we will do it. The hyperactive hive mind also directly impacts our workplace. For starters, it gives us obfuscation, or obscurity, lack of clarity, and unintelligible thinking. For example, if we don't want to work hard, or can't work as hard, we may turn to rapidly responding to emails and instant messages to almost persuade others that we are, in fact, working hard. Also, our productivity is not way better today than it was before widespread adoption of email or instant messaging. The rise of large offices led to this need for this type of communication. The thought was that fast, asynchronous communication was a productivity silver bullet. Email attempted to solve this problem, but an unintentional and unplanned pressure to solve things via email did not improve productivity. So, to counteract this, we can try and implement hacks like no email Fridays, but things like that won't work because there is no workflow in place for not emailing each other. To truly increase productivity and reduce our reliance on email, we must have different policies and procedures in place. The first policy we could enact is to promote physical, if allowed, and virtual communication tools, such as the telephone or video conference. As a reminder, 93% of a message is communicated via body language and tone, while 7% is through the words we use. If we solely rely on email and instant message, we're missing out on those key details of the conversation that could impact the project or the task. I suggest taking the time to call or meet with your clients, colleagues, managers, etc. versus simply sending an email. It's more personable and allows for quicker resolutions to problems, projects, or tasks. Another policy or procedure we could enact is a more linear approach to our workflows. Rather than multitasking, complete or stop one task before switching to the next one. And I know, this may be easier said than done. We may still see some of those emails or be reminded about previous tasks, and some of our thoughts will remain on that previous task, a phenomenon known as attention residue. 
To help illustrate this idea, Mr. Newport uses the example of the automobile assembly line. Prior to the assembly line, cars were built by skilled workers. It was convenient, but not productive. Thanks to Henry Ford's advancement of the assembly line, cars were built by specialists at each position, think tires, suspension, body, and so on. This was not convenient, but it was productive. The assembly line workflow allows specialists to work on what they're good at before passing it on to the next specialist. Convenience did not produce the most cars quickly. It was the system that remains in place today. Another policy or procedure we could encourage is to think like a software engineer. As Mr. Newport put it, agile, scrum, and sprint-based executions have been used in these sectors for a while. They work on only one thing for three days, and during that time, the product is their whole focus. Software engineers never let things unfold in an ad hoc manner. This is more amenable to the way the brain operates. The truth is, and what Mr. Newport was trying to get at, is that anything that you want to produce can be accomplished in a so-called sprint. The key is to assemble only the most essential people together to work on a project, audit, engagement, whatever it might be, from start to finish without distraction and with clear goals. You'll be amazed with how much you can get done in a small amount of time. Finally, Mr. Newport encourages us to spend less time on what he calls shallow work and more time on deep work. He defines deep work in another book as work when you are focusing on something for a long period of time without distraction. Everything else, those emails, those instant messages, Everything else, such as checking those emails, sending those status updates, is just shallow work. So, exactly how do you figure out where you spend your time? Simple. Keep track of it and the task on which you work. Once you have an idea of how much time you're spending on deep work versus shallow work, you start building flows that are able to keep you on the shallow stuff that's demanded by your company, but still focused on the deep work that you need to do to move the needle. Mr. Newport shares some sage advice. Shallow work is what prevents you from being fired. Deep work is what gets you promoted. Thanks again for listening to this episode of The Coach's Corner. If you'd like to learn more about the hyperactive hive mind, be sure to check out the resources section in this episode's description on your mobile device or the Coach's Corner folder of the National Drive on your work computer. On the next episode, we'll have a special guest to discuss the hive mind and some strategies you can implement in your work to be more productive and develop stronger relationships with your colleagues, clients, friends, and family members. See you next time.